Hello and welcome to a special edition of Progressive News Network. I'm your host, Brooke Hines. It is election night, November 3, Tuesday, November 3, 2020. And holy cow, things are happening. Um, You know, Progressive News Network is headquartered in Florida. And it looks like right now Florida is, uh, they haven't called it yet, but it looks like Florida is going to go to Trump. So there's some stuff to talk about there. Some very interesting things going on in South Florida with regard to campaigning, strategy, messaging, uh, and how that has impacted the election. And uh, then we're going to have a a special guest, Victor Tiffany, join us at the top of the hour at 10 o'clock. And uh, if you remember, Victor Tiffany uh, wrote the book, Bernie or Bust. So we're going to have a chat about how some of the values with the Bernie Sanders movement might be impacting what we're seeing tonight. All right, let's, uh, let's start. Let's start. Um, Let's start right here. So I've been following real quickly, I've been following the returns on Reuters, which has a a really good interface. Um, So, you know, if you're casting about and looking for a good way to follow the returns tonight and hopefully not going into tomorrow, but for the duration, Reuters seems to have the best returns, the most, uh, um, responsive. They're updating every 30 seconds. Now, Florida, uh, great, great. Um, I've had some trouble with blog talk radios, tech, and the interface in the last couple of weeks, and I was a little bit worried that um, that the live feed wasn't going to go out tonight, and a listener just uh, texted me to let me know that it is going out. So I'm very glad to hear that. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so in Florida, what the hell is going on in Florida, and why do we have to keep saying what the hell is going on in Florida? Um, you know, we got a problem here. We got a problem with the party. I mean, we just need to, we just need to be real about this. It's um, when you look at what wins in the state and you look at what, what uh, loses in the state, um, you can't, and you, you know, if you have a little bit of an idea of what's going on behind the scenes, you can't help but place some of the blame for what's going on right now with the statewide party especially with regards to what is happening in South Florida. So uh, let's, let's just jump right in. Um, We've got down in South Florida, we've got 90% of the votes counted and 94 and 92. I'm looking at districts 26 and 27 district 27. These are congressional districts. Uh, Donna Shalala, 
in District 27. It looks like she's going to lose that seat. And it also looks like in District 26 that Debbie Mer- <clears throat> Mer- Mercarsal per Powell is also going to lose a seat. These are two Democrats in South Florida. And uh, they I don't see how they can make up the uh, loss here. So the Republican in District 26 has 51.8% of the vote. And the Democrat uh, Powell has 48.2. And then in District 27, the um, former Health and Human Services uh, Donna Shalala has only 48.6% of the vote, and her challenger has 51.4. So these are two Republicans being brought in to Congress from South Florida because of Trump. Now, what is going on in South Florida? Why is it underperforming so bad? Uh, you might have caught in the last few weeks that there's been a lot of talk about the Latino vote. You know, what is, how, how is the, how do we message to Latino voters? How do we turn out the vote? How do we mobilize these communities and yada, yada, yada? Well, there was a lot of talk about it, but it doesn't seem like, from what I'm hearing from people on the ground, it doesn't seem like there was much to do about it. So they like to talk about it and they like to talk about how important it is to turn out the uh, Latino vote. And then when it comes to actually turning out the Latino vote and mobilizing those voters, they don't have, they don't seem to have the interest to, to actually do it. All right. What they, the uh, strategy that they took in South Florida was uh, basically an anti-communist strategy. They went about uh, doing all of this messaging with regard to Venezuela and Maduro down in um, down in South Florida. So what they were trying to do was to appeal to the white Cuban population in Miami and you know try to get them try to get them to turn turn out for the Democrats. But what they do with that messaging is they turn off the Democrats who the, the base who would already you know want to come and vote, they feel pushed out of the space, you know? I mean, because number one, this is uh, the election for president of the United States, and uh, uh, we're interested in the issues that are happening in this country, right? We're not we're not trying with this election to overturn an election in Venezuela. And also the timing was really bad vis-a-vis what's going on in Bolivia. You know, so the, uh, it, the United States went down and meddled in, in Bolivia and there was a coup and they kicked out Evo Morales, who, uh, who was a, um, a great left-wing leader down there. And they tried to smear him like he was some kind of dictator or something, which is just absolutely absurd um and then uh, about a week ago the elections in bolivia overturned that whole coup situation so they they voted out the fascists in bolivia and then here in south florida they appealed to that same kind of weird you know fascist coup mentality to try and elevate 
Joe Biden uh, to the audience, to the voting audience in South Florida, and it just didn't work. The numbers from 2016 to 2020 are um, pretty bad for for Miami-Dade. The uh, uh, Broward County, just to the north, actually – those numbers look look really good, and those numbers, uh, the amount of turnout is is fairly decent. Joe Biden is uh, taking that county by sixty four point six percent. Donald Trump only won thirty four point eight percent. Down in Miami, that has tightened. It's tightened up a little bit in terms of percentages, but in terms of vote total, there are fewer voters. Um, than should have turned out, and that's that's where the problem lays. Lies, lays. Um, that's where the problem is in South Florida, uh, is in is in Miami. Now, hopefully, we'll have uh, some South Florida experts in to talk about this on Sunday. I'm going to work on that. Um, but I think that the broad strokes here are that the party ran a very lazy campaign in um, in Miami and kind of sat back on their laurels down there, and uh, and it's come to it's come back to bite them. Now, as you move up through the state, uh, looking at the amendments, we had a lot of ballot initiatives this time. The uh, increase in minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour that passed. And another ballot initiative that was bad uh, went down. So there was this other ballot initiative that was essentially trying to stop ballot initiatives. It was backed by um, Alex and Alec and Koch brothers money. And uh, so they lost on that one. We won the uh, minimum wage one, which tells me that statewide, the state is very interested in progressive policy that improves the material conditions of voters. Voters are very interested in their material conditions. A couple of other ballot initiatives statewide this year had to do with homestead exemption and um, property taxes and stuff. And both of those passed, even though they're basically nothing. These kind of things where should the widows of veterans get a break on property taxes or homestead or whatever. Um, that's material conditions. Yeah. That is, you know, people see that as money in the pocket of people who are deserving, even, you know, people will vote for these initiatives for, uh, for the widows of veterans and, and all this sort of stuff They those pop up on the ballot in Florida all the time. And, uh, um, you know, so there you go. Material conditions are winning conditions in in Florida. And I had somebody on Twitter say to me, well, you know, what that shows you is that um, uh, Republicans will vote for uh, – will, will vote in their self-interest. So the only difference between the parties then, therefore, is racism. You know, and I kind of thought about that, and I'm like, uh, okay, but what are you going to do about it, you know? I mean, are you just going to keep 
yelling you're racist at everybody or are you going to try and give them something uh, aspirational that they actually want to vote for? I think that it's a myself. I think it's a better strategy to give people something aspirational that they want to vote for, like $15 minimum wage, you know, something like that, that, that is a, a absolute positive. Yes, I want that. That makes a lot more sense to me. Um, another race that I think is really interesting, moving away from the ballot initiatives, uh, there is a, um, a progressive state attorney in, uh, in Orlando and Orange County and Osceola who won. And these are, this is one of just two progressive um, state attorney's races that have been called so far in this cycle. So we've got this one in Orlando and then there was another progressive state attorney in Austin, Texas, who has also won their race. So that's some very good news. And, um, you know, uh, people tend not to pay enough attention to these, uh, these state attorneys races, but they, they really matter there. Um, it's definitely where the rubber meets the road kind of stuff. Um, yeah, these are the these are the people who can actually end mass incarceration. You know, we've got to do it piecemeal now, um, state attorney by state attorney. All right, let's take a little break and come back and look at some more returns as they're coming in. just tangled myself up in a in a wire (laughs) that was fun um okay so something that has that is really chopping my ass tonight is florida's gone red and it looks like north carolina is going to go blue how about that we've got 80 percent of the votes counted and joe biden has 50 
50%, 50 50.3%. And Donald Trump has 48.6%. So we got North Carolina going blue. And it also looks like Ohio is going to go blue. So there's 64% of the vote in, in Ohio. And it's a much smaller spread between the two candidates. It's just uh, at this point, 0.3%. So that could flip. That could definitely flip between now and the rest of those returns coming in. But for the moment, Joe Biden is winning Ohio. And it also looks like early returns have Joe Biden doing well in Minnesota. And uh, this is only 19% of the vote has been counted. But so far, CNN was saying, and it looks like, according to Reuters, that there is a good lead for for Biden. All right. Um, another interesting, uh, another interesting dynamic is happening in Georgia right now. Donald Trump is convincingly winning Georgia. Uh, however, there is still there are still some blue counties and some blue votes uh, outstanding, and there's a Senate race there that might not be decided um, tonight. That's the uh, special election, the special election race with Kelly Loeffler in it, and it looks like ten or fifteen uh, other candidates. Very. Very odd race there in Georgia. Um, what else? Uh, South Carolina. The last time I looked at South Carolina, we've got 38% of the vote in. They've called it for Donald Trump, which is interesting, which is 38% of the vote in. Um, but if you look at if you look at the, the the map county by county. There is um, there's a lot of blue in South Carolina. And remember, South Carolina was where uh, um, Joe Biden supposedly locked up and won the primary. Uh, so, you know, you kind of would have expected, you know, given the way that, you know, there was all of this fanfare about Biden in South Carolina, you would kind of expect that, uh, he would he would perform better in the state and the general. I mean, you would maybe expect that. I didn't expect it. No one ever wins South Carolina uh, coming out of the um, coming out of the in, into the general out of the primaries. But that's the way that um, that Jim Clyburn and Joe Biden presented presented it. Let's look real close at South Carolina at the Senate race. Lindsey Graham is leading 54.3% to Jamie Harrison's 44.4%. So chances are Lindsey Graham is going to keep that seat in South Carolina. And it looks like we've got Victor Tiffany on. Hold on. Bring him in. Hey, Victor, are you there? I am. How are you doing, Brooke? I am well. Do you get any thoughts on uh, on tonight's returns? Well, I think it's going to take a while. Um, of course, that's what the people on television keep telling us, isn't it? But they, uh, um, yeah, 
one thing to keep in mind is they talk about the the blue wall that uh, Biden was hoping to build back with Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Trump, if if everything else is equal, if if, he, if, if Democrats don't take uh, Ohio or Arizona, if everything else is equal to 2016, Trump only needs one of those, one of mm-hmm. those three to to um, to hold on to the White House. Mm-hmm. And he's winning pretty good right now in Michigan. We'll see how that plays out. But um, I have a suspicion that uh, he's going to try to steal this thing. If if it's close enough, if it's not a blowout and obvious by the end of the night, mm-hmm. then, then he's he's going to try to take this through the courts and, and replicate what uh, George Bush did in, in 2000. Uh, yeah, and there's um... – so he's got three people on the Supreme Court who were involved in Bush v. Gore, and there's been a lot of talk about the Twelfth Amendment. You know, using using the uh, ability to stop the vote count. Uh, uh, Greg Palast has been out talking about that and uh, and really just banging the drum about it. I was expecting. I was actually expecting Biden to be performing a little bit better. I never had Florida down in his column. Um, I also didn't have North Carolina down in his column, but it looks like North Carolina is going to go to Biden. Um, So things are a lot closer than I was expecting them to be. And, you know, we've, we're old enough to remember 2000 and 2004 and all it takes is one state to, for there to be a, um, contention in one state and focus on that one state. Right. That yep. state could uh could be Ohio or it could be Michigan, any of those blue wall states, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Uh Pennsylvania is the ret- returns are coming in super slow. Um they've been prepping us for a slow, re- a, you know, not seeing the votes tonight on Pennsylvania. I don't understand why that would be the case, but. They didn't start counting all the early votes and the write-in votes until this morning. Okay. Millions of votes have to be counted by, I don't know if they're using a machine or, or how they're doing it, but that's, you know, if it's the right mail-in votes, I don't know how easily that they, uh, they can be fed through the machine in Pennsylvania, but it, yeah, it's going to take a while. It's going to take probably two, 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 three days. So far, they've got 19% of the vote counted in Pennsylvania, and it looks like about a total of. So we got 600,000, 646,000 votes for Joe Biden, 629,000 votes for Donald Trump. 50% to 48% with just 19% counted. Um, there's a lot of blue areas in Pennsylvania. There's Erie, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia, Harrisburg area. Uh, Scranton right now on the map is is red, which is kind of <laughs> odd because uh, Biden's been branding himself as the Scranton, the Scranton Democrat. Yeah, well, he he has a number of mythologies he tries to create about himself. <laughs> you know, he was yes. there, but it's been a long time, and the city doesn't remain mm-hmm. his just because he lived there for a little while. That's right. 
did you going into tonight? Did you have a feel for uh, which like like were you expecting a a anything one way or the other a landslide for Trump or a landslide for for Biden? Yeah, no, I pretty much have, have expressed it. I think I thought and still believe it's going to be pretty close, and he, uh, the president's going to use that. Uh, to try to drive this through the courts, as mm-hmm. much as, as you know, whenever he can, whatever issue he can use to to push this into the court system, and then start, you know, um, appealing that to higher courts and higher courts. And the idea is to get this before the Supreme Court, and that's that's where, that's how he keeps the presidency. Mm-hmm. But if it's a blowout, if Biden wins, say Ohio and Arizona. In Pennsylvania, then that, that's just not going to happen. But I don't. Th- I think I don't think Pennsylvania is going to be called, and I think Trump's. That's where Trump's going to take a stand, his legal stand, to challenge those those late late counted ballots. We'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I actually I, I say I hope I'm wrong. I, I I'm not uh, convinced. You know, Biden's preferable to Trump. He certainly behaves. He's more like what we're used to, but um, he's um, he's pretty right wing Democrat. I think it's he's going to cause problems down the road. And the biggest issue I had with with Biden all along was uh, his support for the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would fundamentally transform this country from what the uh, framers developed in terms of some sort of democratic republic into a, a corporate uh, order, legal order, corporate design, mm-hmm. legal order. And so if, if Biden does pull this out, we have a big fight. Progressives in particular have a big fight to to stop that thing before, uh, before it uh, gets through uh, Congress. Cause, right. Because you – it's only going to take a, a great majority vote. Mm-hmm. You get a competent neoliberal, or at least somebody who would uh, have a competent staff in Biden, uh, versus an incompetent nincompoop who, God only knows what what you know Trump is is, you know what, what his platform is, or you know I don't think that he has any kind of. Uh, uh, strategy or idea of what he wants to do. I think that things are being run by Ivanka and Jared, and they're just basically trying to keep their heads above water. Right. Yeah. No. It's it's a it's a disaster either way. I'm not particularly thrilled. <laughs> no matter who mm-hmm. this is, this isn't going to be a progressive um, celebration. It, you know, it's 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 a horrible situation that we're in. We got the the, the one the, the candidate that the liberals want to see win is, is actually uh, historically more prone to start new wars than the boob that's in the White House. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes back to you know, there's nothing to celebrate, at least from a uh, progressive perspective. Right. And, you know, I was talking about the uh, ballot initiatives in Florida, and we passed the $15 minimum wage. And uh, uh, dang, that 
you can lose that the that the Democratic Party can lose the state and the state go to Trump, but a statewide ballot initiative, you know, that has to get sixty percent of the vote to pass, passes for fifteen dollar minimum wage. And uh you know, it just seems to me that that there's some soul searching that needs to be done within the party. I mean, I think obviously that uh, what happened with Biden was, uh, you know, Obama stepped in and said, well, uh, this is the, this is, this is who we want. And everyone else stepped aside and it was Biden and Bernie. And, um, you know, that, that was enough to throw it to Biden because the messaging then became, well, you got to go with the sure thing. And I know there were plenty of Bernie people who were like, well, I don't think like, Biden's far from a sure thing. You know, I mean, just just uh, I mean, what are you even basing that on? He has trouble forming a sentence. Right. A lot of this was uh, constructed by the media. You know, the, the Biden's a uh, better, more likely candidate because he's centrist and, uh, you know, former vice president and all that. And it's a narrative that was largely created by the establishment, the, that is, the uh, people around Obama and and, uh, and their allies in in the media, CNN and so forth. Previously, when Biden ran, his flaws were really highlighted by the media. I mean, they, they helped bury him, talking about his lies, talking about his plagiarism. Talking about you know his fabulism, <laughs> he's just mm-hmm. he makes things, up. and and they called him out on it, and, and of course he had to drop out because he wasn't doing well enough. And uh, this time they're just silent. I mean, you you reference the his cognitive decline. You got people like Brian Stelter on his program, reliable sources, poo-pooing that idea that there's any problems with Biden. He just makes a couple of mistakes. That that was his mm-hmm. rationale. It's pretty pathetic the extent to which the media is framing this election, framing you know the candidates. They they lie about Trump quite often. There's a lot of people who believe Trump suggested we inject or drink uh bleach or a formal not formaldehyde but uh sanitizer of some sort and he never mm-hmm. ever suggested it was a stupid question that he asked but that mm-hmm. stupid question was turned by the media into oh he thinks we should drink bleach or whatever the hell they the, the way they framed it and that's just one example i could go after i can i could cite several examples of the way they um distort trump they they obviously don't like him and and but they don't talk about how Biden is to Trump's right on trade and on war and peace and um, in, in, in other ways. Um, of course, a lot of people are scared about SCOTUS picks, and for good reason. We have a pretty reactionary court now. Right, but right. I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to get from Trump. I mean, everyone thinks, you know, I mean, for, I'm sorry, from Joe Biden. Everyone thinks this devout Catholic is going to nominate someone who's going to protect Roe versus Wade. I don't see that as a sure thing at all. Well, I think that Roe versus Wade was lost a long time ago, uh, way back when in the Clinton administration, they put the issue back to the states. As soon as it went back to the states, that that effectively meant that 
whether or not you had access to reproductive health services was at the whim of whether you had a Republican or a Democratic uh, state government. And then that could change. So that's not any kind of justice. That isn't any kind of, you know, security. Right. Yeah, I I don't think there is security. I don't think there is um, hope, if you will. I don't think there's any, no matter what happens after tonight, I I don't think there's any sort of um, room for optimism. Right. The only, well, you know, and the only thing I can come up with is, is Joe Biden. You know, they 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 use his Twenty Fifth Amendment to get him out of office because he just can't complete a sentence. His mind continues to progressively go downhill. And mm-hmm. Harris has made the, the president, and and somehow she's actually as progressive or liberal as as the Republicans are claiming she is. That would be great. I mean, I. <laughs> But mm-hmm. I don't think she is. I don't think she's that progressive at all. I think she's pretty centrist, neoliberal. Yeah, and a prosecutor. Yeah. So, so I mean, you've you've got the worst of both worlds there, uh, and uh, fiscally conservative, and also socially conservative with regard to a prison pipeline and that type of thing. Right. Yeah. People no, think that the the way she's painted in the in the the right leaning press is like she's the um she's some kind of communist insurgent or something i which is right absolutely ridiculous yep so but um it's not working i don't think I, I don't think the american people are buying it i don't think the american people put that much weight into who the vice president is. No. No, the only people who care are the, uh, I always call them um, DNC intern accounts, the the whole K-Hive uh, um, phenomena on social media is, I mean, if you look, <laughs> if you started looking at this about the time that I did at the beginning of the primaries, and you saw the way that all of these accounts started uh, um, uh, coming together and growing and forming, they were forming around uh, uh, people who were obviously and openly uh, staffers, congressional staffers, like not not even campaign staffers, but people who were working on on Capitol Hill, and so you know it, it kind of branched out from there, and and uh, the groups got bigger and bigger, and they kept this. Uh, this this sensibility of you know this is what we do for work <laughs> you know this isn't these it's not like they're they're real people with real issues or anything they're they're professionals and transactionalists right staff mhm hired help yeah and you know the the whole phenomena around Kamala Harris too has that whole vibe of um uh, uh, where you have to kind of genuflect, like there's so much genuflecting to to uh, Kamala, and that the, the whole thing about Kay Hive is that she's a queen, like a queen bee or whatever, and uh, you know it's just it, it's to me it's antithetical to the way that a democratic 
uh, persona should be created. It just all, you know, just from the word go is uh, um, this kind of royalist, you know, like, you know, yes, my queen, you know. It's strange. It's strange. I My sense that he picked her, even though she's from California, California's going to be blue no matter who the pick was. Mm-hmm. He picked her for her uh, uh, financial connections, her large donor base. I, I guess she's been developing that quite extensively for a while. God, they're just such, they're just, they're just such obvious uh, uh, money chasers. You know, it, it, they're, they're not even, and that's the problem. They're not even chasing votes. They're just chasing money. If they were chasing votes, they would have it, it, in 2016 or in uh, 2020, they would have put Bernie on the ballot. You know, they, they, they would have you know made a coalition of the two, you know, establishment and the insurgent. And, you know, that would have been a winning ticket. Easy, easy peasy. Yeah, even uh, Trump was worried about that possibility. Oh, yeah. Well, he was worried yeah. about running against Bernie, period. Right. That was that was his whole whole thing that 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 he couldn't win against Bernie. He knows how to he knows how to run and win against uh, someone like like Joe Biden. And uh, as we've been talking, the odds on Betfair have flipped from 37 percent to a 75 percent chance that Trump will win the election. Now, you were you had mentioned what, what, earlier this is the uh, betting on the oh. you know who's who's going to win. So Betfair yeah, yeah. is a um a place where you can, you know, gamble money on sports and stuff like that. Um so uh uh oh darn it, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, been chasing this idea all night long about uh, um, about how progressives go about winning elections versus how the establishment goes about winning elections, and uh, you know progressives go about it with this idea of you know it's about the people, it's about the votes, it's about the mobilization, you know all of those things, and what the establishment goes after is. Um, you know, what, what do the donors want? How much, how many people with a lot of money can we get involved? And something that I, that I saw happening in Florida pretty early on in the general election was, and this is new, uh, donors were in on all of the operational calls, you know, how, how there's uh, staff calls and volunteer calls and all of that type of stuff in a campaign. Well, generally, you don't have the donors uh, getting in on these calls and um, pushing people around. You know, like like uh, it's, donors are best when, you know, they write you the check and then you let professionals kind of do their job. And professionals have the authority to say, here's here's the boundary. You know, you don't know what you're doing. So, you know, thank you for the check very much. But now we've got to go do our job and win this race. And right. where I was getting the reports of this, the, the, where people were really alarmed about it was in Miami, was in South Florida. And that's exactly where we see 
the underperforming. The uh, the votes could have, and you know, I've I've had people flagging this for me for quite a while now that the uh, vote by mail ballots weren't coming in, and the early vote tallies weren't what where they should have been. And uh, you know, I think that a lot of that has to do with um, with this uh, allowing the donors to kind of play giving them the, the the same authority to make decisions and to push staff around as professionals who actually know what they're doing. You don't think the uh, that has a lot to do with what, what the post office is doing to sort of monkey up the gears? Um, how so? Well, I'm not sure how they're slowing down. Uh, the delivery of the mail, but it's pretty clear mail has gotten much slower in the last couple of months. And supposedly that was intentional to um, make, to try to have some of these ballots arrive late. Right. Okay. Um, Right. Well, uh, yeah, in, in Florida. So, so uh, with ballot chase, people know uh, who has requested vote by mail ballots. So they know how many ballots are out versus how many have come in. So that's, that's how they check the numbers. So we haven't had, that's not where the problem lies with the, with the vote by mail. The problem with vote by mail in Miami is that nobody was, or there were fewer people who were motivated to vote. (laughs) There were just fewer people who were like, you know, I don't care. (laughs) You know, which is interesting well, because that, I've been saying that can't be too surprising with these candidates. I'm yeah, not particularly right. <laughs> motivated to vote for either of them, either. And, mm-hmm. and didn't. Well, I think that uh, I've been noticing a lot of interest from uh, infrequent voters and first-time voters, like you know, people who are in their 40s and their 50s who've never voted before. Uh, getting very interested and and wanting to vote. And I think a lot of that has been um, pushed by this media narrative, like what you were saying, that the media has done a really good job of uh, manufacturing this this consent around Joe Biden and also manufacturing this chaos around Donald Trump. Now, let it let just being real, Donald Trump is uh, it perfectly capable of creating plenty of chaos himself, but um, the media has taken every opportunity to heighten the amount of chaos around him. Like, for instance, all day today, media has been banging the drum about, oh, there's going to be civil unrest, you know, and, and, and I read a story on Sunday about people stocking up for the coming civil war. I mean, the, the, the media has just gone completely apeshit. And, you know, uh, I wish people would, would, would ask Chomsky about this before he, you know, kicks the bucket. God bless him. He's, he's still doing every single interview that, that people ask him to do. And it doesn't seem like people are asking him the right questions. But right now, more than ever, we need to know, we need some uh, strong voices uh, 
about reeling in the media. I think the media is just out of control at this point. Yeah, they are. Uh, I'm not sure I would use that phrase. I mean, there's a control there, but it's, it's control of a certain, I'm going to use the word establishment because I don't want to go to deep state or anything like that, but there's certainly, um, there's certainly, uh, it's more than bias. I mean, the conservatives have known this for a long time about CNN and called it the Clinton News Network and so forth. It's it's been pretty obvious for years, and and, and in this contest, it's it's really obvious. They they didn't uh, hold hold uh, Biden under any kind of close scrutiny at all. He he was able to get away with lies, tons uh, mm-hmm. of incomplete sentences because he just isn't got a shit together enough to, to, uh, um, you know, complete a sentence. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could go on. It's, but you're absolutely right. This whole thing has has been framed by, uh, the media. We need a, and and it's widespread. It's not just CNN and the Washington post, the New York times. They're all bad enough. You know, Matt, um, Taibbi has covered, uh, the scandal of how the media responded, including social media, responded to the Hunter Biden emails that came out. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's really uh, shocking. It, it's really a shift in, in, in standards, journalism standards from, uh, you know, let's, let's find out if, if there's any truth of these things to we can't let anything out at this point that might trip up Joe Biden. It's just protecting a candidate, which is just, it's new. It's, it's not happened before, at least the way uh, Taibbi describes it. it. It's really sort of unprecedented uh, uh, consensus that Donald Trump has got to go. So no matter what the hell is wrong with our candidate, we just, we can't talk about it, you know, because Trump's got to uh-huh. go. We got to paint him in the best possible light, not Trump, but whoever the candidate is, of course, is Biden. But it's um, it's a horrible situation. We are so far beyond the, the uh, media world that I grew up in. It, it's, it's pathetic. It's just terrible what's happened to the media in this country, partly because I think uh, the Internet has changed things so much, and partly because... Uh, they've just become partisan propaganda, almost right. all of them. You really have to go f- dig deep for uh, something that isn't. And, and I would include Chomsky in that. He's pretty mm-hmm. clearly uh, partisan in his analysis and his uh, and his uh, recommendations. You have to go to someone like Matt Taibbi and, and uh, Chris Hedges. And, uh, of course, we talked previously about um, Alan Howell, Dr. Howell, and Howell Underground. Um, There aren't very many others who are outside that blue-red partisan uh, framework. Uh, Johnstone, of course, isn't caught up in it. She, She disdains both parties pretty equally. Well, uh, yeah, 
Uh, yeah, Caitlin. Um, well, and it amazes me how much uh, heat Taibi withstands for just the most mundane uh, uh, assertions, which are we should cover the news uh, like fairly, just to cover they the facts. Why don't do we do that? <laughs> they don't want to do that they, because it might be something. So supposedly it's a lesson from 2016 and, you know, not but basically not covering whatever comes out in WikiLeaks about the candidate they want to win. If, I'm sure if some dirt came out about Trump, they'd be very happy to, to uh, talk about it and discuss it until everyone's blue in the face. But uh, if it's Biden, they're, they're just protecting him. They don't. They lie about his cognitive decline. They they hid the Hunter Biden email story. I don't know if there was anything there. I think that the bigger scandal is the extent to which media, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, Twitter, of course, Facebook, how much they were almost coordinated. It almost sounds like a conspiracy. And, and and I'm not claiming there was a conspiracy. I think it's more of a of a consensus. This time around, we're not going to let news <laughs> information that comes out uh, uh, sink our candidate, sink sink the candidate who's opposed, who's running against Trump. Uh, and, and you know, so last time, uh, here's another example. CNN had um, the Green Party candidates, Joe Stein and. and uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, about, uh, shoot, I can't remember now. Anyway, they were both on to discuss the race and their candidacy. I don't think CNN did that this time. They didn't have uh, Howie Hawkins on to discuss his candidacy. It, it huh. was completely marginalized, and they did that on purpose because they didn't want a, a repeat of 2016. They don't want people voting green, which is which well, has been my biggest biggest promotional activity over the last month is trying to discourage votes for two, either one of two horrible candidates and, and you know, vote for, vote your conscience. Vote the for somebody you actually want to win in the White House. Vote green. But of course, uh, my reach is pretty small. My footprint's pretty small compared to getting on CNN. Sure, sure. Well, and, you know, I I just want to kind of um, add to that and kind of kind of expand this idea because what's actually going on in these uh, media outlets is that they're relying on PR people to provide them the news. Uh, newsrooms all over the country have been wiped out because of economics or whatever, what, what I would, you know, it's, it's profit taking, basically, they're wiping out jobs and uh, a, a good job at a newspaper used to pay a, a decent wage and you had your beat and you wrote your stories um, and you went home and now you're expected to, first of all, wages are pretty much what you would expect to make like in retail you know, if you got a little bit of a commission, like selling cars, like that kind of thing. Uh, so wages are shit and you're expected to write your beat, somebody else's beat, do your social media 
and do video production on all of your stories too. So you're essentially doing four jobs that, that 20 years ago when I was getting out of school or 30 years ago when I was getting out of school, uh, were, it, it was one job and it was just writing the news. So there's fewer people out there doing it. And the way that the labor breaks down now is that people who are producing the news are relying more and more on public relations people. So public relations people are just sort of handing them stories. And you can see this, if you read between the lines on on MSNBC especially, you can see that uh, pretty much everything Joanne Reed talks about is taken straight from her notes from the last person who called her office. You know, the last congressional staffer who called her and, you know, she took their call and, you know, she was like, oh, and you want you and, and I should mention who and who else should I have on? Got any other suggestions? You know, and, you know, what should I ask them? You know, that's the way that's the way it, it, it comes together now. It's all being driven by the uh, the special interests, you know, that we never get to see, you know, so nobody's really pr- producing news. Nobody's doing investigations. Nobody's. Uh, holding anyone to account. Um, I saw someone tweet today about adversarial national security reporting and how one of the the last few adversarial national security reporters that we had was Michael Hastings, who died in a fiery car crash that was quite questionable. You know, while while he was working on a story about John Brennan after he had basically ruined. Uh, um, Oh, what's his name's career? Uh, Petraeus and McChrystal. Right. So, you know, uh, so so there's the dangers of being a a decent reporter, and then you have the you know bringing this back to Matt Taibbi and like Glenn Greenwald, you've you've got people who you know once you're you're a staff writer with a brand either at the intercept, you know, Glenn Greenwald founded the intercept and he just left because the intercept, you know, was, was trying to censor him. Matt Taibbi left his regular gig at uh, the Rolling Stone for, you know, reasons that weren't as well um, publicized as Glenn Greenwald's, but reading between the lines, you can pretty much grok that what was going on there was, you know, he wasn't being able to do his job. Uh huh. He didn't spell that out, did he? I, I've actually subscribed now to his uh, Substack, and I don't see where he's talked about that. When mm-hmm. when did that happen? I didn't realize he left. I think he still will do something every now and then, and he still does the Useful Idiots podcast. Um, but he's he's not. Uh, He's not in the same position that he was before. So I think it was kind of like a, a stepping aside kind of thing. Let me see if I can find an article on it while we're talking about it. Huh. Now, one thing I want to work on in the aftermath of this election is uh, media. Basically, continuing the conversation we've been having for the last 15 minutes or so and, and try to get people to understand that you're not watching the news. Well, you're watching CNN or MSNBC or Fox 
or PBS or CBS or ABC, you're not watching news. You're watching partisan propaganda. It's really become clear uh, the extent to which there is no news. There is no fourth estate anymore. And it's it's kind of sad. Uh, I'm trying to think who would be who would have been a, a decent reporter on the on the right. Of course, Chef Smith stepped down quite a long time ago, but he was a little more uh, willing to believe national security people. The same people who lied us into Iraq and, and, and other conflicts, he's willing to believe them when, you know, to when they said that the Russians interfered with 2016. Yeah, so, so you have you have uh, places where uh, anchors will uh, will accept the received narrative, and you have areas where anchors will push back on the received narrative. And so, if the received narrative um, is uh, from from national security is saying, you know, we gotta there's there's weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, or the the Russians uh, uh, are uh, running the United States through the White House because Trump is a is a uh, agent <laughs> of the uh, of the Russian Empire or whatever. If the uh, anchors are much less likely to push back on national security reporting than they are to push back, say, on uh, political reporting. Uh, which is these are fine lines right here because they they don't do much of that either, um, or let's say like financial reporting. No, you're right. I agree with that. I think uh, I, I can't. I don't want to generalize and, and guess as to why that's the case, but uh, it, it, it's concerning because it's, our foreign policy. John Stone points this out recently in some of her articles. Our foreign policy affects way more people around the world than our domestic policy. So when you, for example, get someone like Biden in the White House, it's going to adversely affect far more people worldwide than uh, Trump being reelected or stealing the election is going to. I mean, he obviously that's going to adversely affect people in the United States, but not people around the world the way to the extent the Biden would uh, what's her name she did a great uh, Abby Martin did a great mm-hmm. comparison in a foreign policy between Trump and Biden she, you know basically is it's a massive trade-off what they're both horrible <laughs> both absolutely horrible uh, but you know, one might be worse toward Venezuela, and the other one might be worse toward Iran, which you know obviously is the case with Biden and Trump. It's, it's, it's so crazy that the, the the extent to which progressives have been marginalized from the executive branch. When's the last time we had a progressive in the executive branch? Uh, um. Robert Reich, uh, but he wasn't progressive at the time. <laughs> he Pre- became progressive after. 
Right. No, I mean as president. Oh, as president? Shit. <laughs> maybe, maybe FDR. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm of the mind that I don't think that JFK was that progressive. I think that that he no, was maybe. he was pretty ne- neoliberal. So I would have to go back to FDR at least. What about LBJ? Oh well, LBJ. Um, you know the. He, he, he was, did he a lot. Was of kind of cat, like like he was a uh, he was um. You know, this this uh, rough and tumble, uh, you know, sharp elbowed uh, lawmaker from Texas. He know he knew how to make a deal, and you, you know he was he was uh, he was obscene in a lot of ways, uh, but but he knew how to. He he was still one of those old style New Dealers, um, and you right. know, like exactly. part of the what was society was. Yeah. And and the Voting Rights Act he signed and the, and the Civil Rights Act he signed. Mhm. Which is so, which is a great irony because his big downfall as a as you know if people from 2020 looking back at LBJ what they're going to say is wow that guy was racist. But wow, that guy passed the Voting Rights Act and and the Civil Rights Act and the Great Society. So I mean you know, I I don't know. I think people got to get got to get real about. Um, holy shit, um, people got to get real about uh, um, identity politics. The holy shit there is that uh, uh, this is what I was predicting earlier in the night is that there are a couple of congressional seats in Miami that are going to flip to the Republicans. I think that, so it was just now called the representative Debbie Mercasel Powell, and I always mispronounce her name. Um, Mucarsel, Mucarsel Powell. (laughs) And that's in the 26th congressional district in Miami. She lost, the Democrat lost her seat to the Republican. And what's going to be announced here in just a while, I'm pretty sure, is that Donna Shalala is going to lose her seat as well. So that's two Miami Miami congressional seats. Lost to incompetence. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, The Republicans are leading currently, 104 to 81 seats in the House. Oh, fuck. We could lose the House. So Shalala... It's pretty early. Shalala's going to lose, too. She's behind by 10,000 votes. And it's 92% of the uh, uh, returns. She's toast. She's toast. Yeah, with that gap at ninety percent. Yeah, I don't have individual seats. I'm looking at a, a sort of a summary page on political. Uh, Reuters has a really good state by state live update. That is, you know, you got to go state by state, but uh, it, it let me get down into the. Um, down to brass stacks with the uh, Florida's congressional seats. Now, what what you don't see on these kinds of trackers are ballot initiatives. And I remember back in 2016 when Hillary lost, we um, there was a slew of very progressive ballot initiatives uh, nationwide. 
that passed. So at the same time, they were electing Trump and rejecting uh, uh, Hillary Clinton or Hillary Jesus. Uh, they were all of all over the country. They were raising the minimum wage and uh, changing the way that that primaries run. And um, here's another here's another good progressive in Florida. Just won a state senate seat. Linda Stewart wins state senate district 13. That's good. And uh, um, states' attorneys. So I touched on states' attorneys just a little bit earlier. It's very important, and people don't pay enough attention to states' attorneys. But um, uh, so a lot of that is is changing. Glenn Greenwald just tweeted out some funny stuff. Uh, uh, these are headlines from earlier this year. Uh, Sherrod Brown. Joe Biden will win Ohio, sparking an electoral college landslide across the United States. Here's another headline. Prepare for a Biden landslide. Another one. A Biden landslide? Some Democrats can't help whispering. (laughs) And then this is BuzzFeed. Most Democrats are scared to say so, but Joe Biden is poised for a landslide win. This is exactly, this is... Oh my God! This is this is a snake eating its tail because these are staffers and PR pe- people and comms people getting on the phone to reporters and saying, "Well, you know what the real story is? The real story is there's going to be a landslide, but don't tell anybody I told you." <laughs> yeah, exactly they've, they've become uh, they've become stenographers, mm-hmm. largely of the state electoral campaigns. It's it's, it's really horrible thing that we're in, this horrible, horrible condition of uh, of of media coverage in this country. Of course, it's gotten so, particularly television media, they you asked about who was, we don't know who they are, I think it's the way you put it, who's pulling the strings. Well, in a certain sense, we do. It's be, between news segments, you see advertisements. And in a certain sense, in a real sense, they they are the ones pulling the strings. If if they don't like news stories that keep coming up, they'll pull their advertising. So that mm-hmm. pretty much controls what gets said and what doesn't get said. And you can see that on, uh, especially on Sunday morning shows. You know, because who's who's advertising on Sunday morning shows? It's all pharma and uh, like national security, like. Uh, McDonnell Douglas kind of stuff, uh, right. um, arms manufacturers. It's it, it's the big big money people um, and and some tech interests. Big big money people and and they know how to keep their uh, servants in line. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's very depressing. More I uh, think about and talk about the media landscape in this country it's just it's it's fallen so far from what it was years ago trying to figure out what what I'm seeing from uh Nate Cohn on Greenwald's Twitter feed you see that graphic uh let's see it's two or three tweets down Let's see. Greenwald tweeted it. 
I can't tell what state that is. I see Nathan J. Robinson. But I don't see Nate Cone. Up, up, up from that. Just below the video of Greenwald petting a dog and talking to children. Okay. Oh, oh, I see it. Uh, we have some good news for Democrats in North Carolina. We're reporting error by Randolph County is padding Trump by about 30,000 in our estimate here. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's well, that really weird. A reporting total error of 30,000 votes? Huh. Yeah, I'm sure it was a mistake. I'm sure it was. Ooh. Biden still looks good in Arizona. Um, 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 that's very interesting. Yeah. So hopefully these kinds of things will get straightened out. But who the hell knows? So this graphic. Eight points points with 73% in Arizona. A net 30,000 votes for Biden, which isn't enough to get him the lead, but it helps a bit, they say. A similar case in Rockingham County, which is worth another 10,000 votes to Biden. And then um, in the other direction, the heavily Democratic Orange County may have a bug on our end. So... There's just all kinds of funny business going on in North Carolina. Yeah, that's not surprising. And okay. And so as you go down a little bit further, it says where the votes remain. And this is one of the the data visualizations that I think is really uh, helpful and useful where you've got the the bigger bubbles where there are more outstanding votes and the smaller bubbles where there are less. And then in North Carolina, you've got the really, you've got all these concentrations of big blue bubbles around the research triangle, the Raleigh, Durham area. And then um, down towards Mecklenburg, uh, Charlotte, uh, you've still got a lot of votes going down through Georgia. Lots in Atlanta is outstanding. And then when you come down to Florida, You've got a, a shit ton, it looks like, in Dade, West Palm Beach, uh, Tampa, and I guess that's Osceola. Uh, so, yeah, because that's the only blue in that part of the state, and it's too far south to be Orange Orlando area. So there's still a lot of uh, votes outstanding. Uh Still a lot in Miami Dade. Maybe Donna Shalala keeps her seat. That would be that would be nice to not lose the uh, House of Representatives. But you know things are in flux right now. And anytime I hear that thirty thousand votes and ten thousand votes are disappearing here and there for no reason, it gives me flashbacks to two thousand and four and the funny business that happened in Ohio. Right. Are you still on uh, Greenwald's Twitter feed? Mm-hmm. Go down to uh, a retweet of Matt Brunig. Uh-huh. According to the exit poll, Trump did better in 2020. 
According to this exit poll, Trump did better in 2020 with every race and gender except for white men. Change from 2016. White men are down 5%. White women are up 2%. Black men are up 4%. Black women up 4%. Latino men up 3%. Latino women up 3%. And other uh, up 5%, probably uh, Asian and uh, Pacific Islander out West. So white men have fled somewhat from, from Trump and he's gained a lot from African American and, and, and Latino. And I got to tell you, they Democrats do not know how to message to the Latino community. Bernie Sanders had that, he had that shit down, you know, he had, he had it dialed in, but for some reason, yeah. Yeah. In 2020, he really did. Yeah. Those numbers wouldn't be like that. If Bernie were the nominee, there'd also be even more turnout than there is now. Oh, of course. You know, the right would be going crazy if there was a socialist possibly entering the white house. And of course there'd be a lot more people voting poor people who just, you know, that they look at Biden and they look at Trump and they, they don't see anything for them, but they would have come out for Bernie. I mean, th- this mm-hmm. was a, this was an analysis we did way back before COVID changed the whole dynamic that, that the biggest coalition possible would have been under Bernie Sanders because of, because of, People's motivating to, you know, the, oh, health care. I need health care. I'm going to go out and vote for this guy. Or $15 minimum wage or, you know, whatever, free college. Whatever uh, poor and poorly educated people need to do better and, and improve their lives, the type of things that Bernie Sanders was, was offering. And they would have come out for him. They didn't. They didn't come out. In the primaries, that these are people who are are not particularly engaged civilly, but uh, they would have come out and voted in the general. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, uh, I think we need to grow up and uh, stop with this whole like uh, thing that only centrists can win general elections because. Uh, it, 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 we need to grow up and recognize that um, that that doesn't have to do with strategy. That has nothing to do with what the party thinks is possible. As a matter of fact, what the party thinks is possible is that someone like Bernie Sanders would win. That's what they're afraid of. That's what they don't want to see is those actual policies being implemented because it would inconvenience their donors. Well, not only that. He, if Bernie Sanders had won the nomination and won the election, he'd take over the party. He would That's displace right. the entire establishment, and there's no way they're going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It was. It was. They weren't afraid that Bernie would lose. They were afraid that Bernie would win. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what? That's going to be what I talk about for the next day or so. <laughs> You know what, what what sucks tonight though is that I've had conversations for the last couple of weeks uh with with um 
uh, non-politicos, you know, people who are uh, new voters, you know, who are who have been uh, turned on by this election because not out of aspiration, but out of um, fear. And so, you know, they're like, we got to vote this this Cretan out of office, and and they're terrified, absolutely terrified. You know, like like there's been so much anxiety and tension around this race, uh, and and I feel like there are a lot of people tonight who are going to be crestfallen, and there's in that tension and that anxiety is going to just keep, you know, going until we have an answer to to what's going on here with the with the counts nationwide. Um, of course, it's not written in stone that that Biden's going to lose this race, but I got to say, just in the last twenty some minutes, all of the numbers that I've that I've come across have been accruing to the red column and not the blue column. So, you know, uh, yeah. I they really a- feel bad. You know, I feel bad because I feel like. The Democratic Party could have put up a better candidate. The, the Democratic Party could do a better job of actually caring about people, um, and, and, and instead they give us these these shit candidates, and you know tell us to, you know either um, support them enthusiastically or or you know be excommunicated, and you know so everybody like gets in line like they're supposed to and you know they're like yay whatever uh and blah blah and uh and they lose you know and and we keep repeating this over and over again right yeah we had a chance to break out of that and uh really get someone high quality person in there and uh the establishment just Wanted nothing to do with that. Nope, can't have that. No, can't have can't have people's lives improved. Can't have minimum wage. It's amazing the extent to which um, the Democratic Party has be, has become beholden to Wall Street money. It is, isn't it? It's it's, it's sad. As, as um, <clears throat> Chris Hedges states over and over again, that we're basically the state has been captured by large corporations, and that's why we don't have Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't have 15 hours an hour. We have what the corporations want us to have. And this goes back to the study by. What was in their names? Gillums and Page from 2014, studying uh, what gets through Congress over 30 years. Uh-huh. They concluded basically that this is not a democratic order. It's it's not what the people want, but it's what special interests and corporate interests want. That that they get what they want, but the American people do not. And said another way. Uh, often the way that that headline reads is that normal people, regular Joes like you and me, have absolutely zero impact on policy. Zero, none. Right, right. That that's the other side of it. Political is calling the House to be uh, remain blue, even though the GOP is up by uh, 
30 seats right now. Holy fuck. 30, oh, my God. 30 seats. That's a bloodbath. I don't know how they're predicting a, a blue victory under these current numbers, but that's what they're calling. Senate is still a toss-up. I wish I could see a breakdown of Ohio. Do you have a vote count there? Yeah, I do. Let me bring it back up. Where'd you go? There it is. Oh. So Ohio at the moment is uh, 52 actually 53% for Donald Trump and 45.9% for Joe Biden. Oh, that's a big turnaround from when I get theirs. 82% of the vote counted. Yeah, it looks like Trump's taking Ohio. Let's see if there's any flip seats here. Nope, that's incumbent. Oh, Democrats are going to lose District 10, which was Desiree Timms. The Republican Mike Turner is going to win that. Um, Marcy Captor keeps her seat. All these people keep their seats. And it looks like there's going to be another turnover in uh, House District 1 in uh, Ohio with Steve. Okay, wait. No, no, no. That's not going to be a turnover. The incumbent's a Republican. The challenger is a Democrat. And it doesn't look like she's going to catch up to him. Okay. But there is there's definitely a, a, a flipped seat here that's going to happen in, in District 10. So the Republican... Uh, no, no, no. That's not going to flip. That's 80. God, I'm so glad I don't have to do math for a living. <laughs> oh, my God. 42% in uh, Trump is leading Pennsylvania by over 10 points, 12 points, 12 and a half points. Oh, my God. This is so so we're starting to see a narrative emerge here that uh, that there was all of this media uh, uh manufacturing consent that there was going to be a landslide for Biden, you know, like, like let's put out all of these stories about how, how there's going to be a landslide and this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, people buy the bullshit after a while and they start believing it. And instead of actually paying attention to what's going on on the ground, it's all wish fulfillment. Well, that, there's apparently shy uh, Trump supporter. People who are lying to the pollsters. That Trafalgar um, pollster, that's that that was his thing. Oh, that reminds yeah. me. I need to. Uh, I need to. Uh, uh, there's a, a DM group that I'm in where we've been talking about this guy for a while now, and. Uh, yeah, so so he's he's going to be the next Nate Silver. <laughs> he's the one, you know, called 2016 and is now calling 2020 when everyone else was wrong. So uh, step aside, 538. <laughs> What's he calling for 2020? Hmm? 
Who's he calling for 2020? Oh, he was he was the one who said that uh, that that Trump has shy supporters that aren't oh. uh, you know don't they don't report themselves on the polling. But I think also to another another part of the equation is that um, uh, pollsters ca- contact likely voters. So they they only contact people who are already in the voter rolls and have already demonstrated that they vote over and over again for for a candidate. And I understand the uh, uh, the utility of that. I mean, it kind of makes sense because those are you can always count on those votes. But then you get sideswiped when new voters come into the into the uh, mix. And this is what happened in Florida in 2018 with. Bill Nelson, uh, with, with the the the, sh- the thrumming that Bill Nelson and Andrew Gillum got, you know the messaging bef- uh, before the election was oh Nelson and Gillum got this in the bag. All the polling was like, uh, yeah, it's going to be at least a three or four point spread. Blah blah blah. It comes down to election day, and for some reason those voters don't show up, and then everybody is saying, oh, the polling was bad. Right. You know, silly us. The polling was bad. Right now, Trump is up in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's all three. That's all he needs. Especially if he takes Ohio. Then Ohio moved in his direction in the last hour by eight points, seven and a half points now. Well, we're just going to have a, um, a, a, this is just going to be a mess. This is going to be a mess for for uh, uh, people on the on the. Okay, let me let me unpack this a little bit. Um, it's going to be a mess for the broader left, and by that I mean you know Democrats, liberals, and further across the spectrum. I think that the people on the left, left, the solid left, uh, saw this coming and have been trying to warn people now for years, uh, ever since 2016 and nobody will listen. And then I, I, I think my heart really aches tonight for people who are new voters and, um, or, uh, you know, less than, less than, uh, OCD, uh, politicos, you know, like I consider myself to be an OCD politico. Um, and, and, you know, really wanting to see and really feel like emotionally they needed to see uh, Trump lose and Biden win, um, or, or really just Trump lose. And, uh, and I feel like there's just going to be a lot of people who are crestfallen and heartbroken. And that kind of makes me sad. You know, that's, that's, uh, and I also worry about, you know, uh, we do have all of this culture war stuff that's going on and the bad shit around COVID and all the bad policies around Trump. So, I mean, you know, it's, we got to be able to separate the 
um, concrete policy and the uh, political strategy that we want to do going forward. And we got to, we got to bring those two things together somehow. And God damn, I don't know if, I don't know how to do it. I know that there's some really good people out there uh, who, who need to be elevated. One is Anna Eskamani, who is a house representative in Florida uh, at the state level. I think she's a uh, district 47. So she's uh, an amazing real progressive from central Florida. She's on Facebook right now. Um, saying that, uh, yeah, people got to get their shit together. She says, um, I'm saying it now. We need a whole new direction in the Florida Democratic Party. We are losing too many incredible down-ballot elected officials and candidates right now, and it's not okay. I know we have the potential to be better and do better. We do it every day here in HD 47. Um, and then the, some of the comments under that are the Florida Democratic Party is a consistent disappointment and, you know, like let's see let's let's pony up and and actually see state committee men and state committee women um uh getting to work and so on and so forth but you know uh oh, oh this is terrible this is absolutely terrible well listen victor um i want to thank you for calling in and uh i want to uh let you go so that so that we can get back to uh, um, being anxious and and watching these returns. I gotta I gotta check in on some some things here, and uh, I really appreciate you calling in and um, sharing your thoughts with us tonight. Well, I appreciate you letting me. I, I uh, was hoping to share that with share this with somebody, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Yes, as as always, and uh, let's um, let's tag back up in like a week or so, and uh, and uh, after the fallout of all of this, and reconnoiter, do it again. Sure, sounds good. Okay, sounds good. Take care. All right, thank thank you, Victor. Everybody, that was Victor Bye. Tiffany, uh, Bernie or Bust, uh, author, frequent guest. Um, good guy. Follow him on follow him on Twitter, and I will find his handle here in a second. Yeah, Bernie or Bust. Oh, there you are. You're at Bernie or Bust still. Oh yeah. Okay. <clears throat> For now. Okay. At Bernie or Bust. There you go. All right, guys. So. I'm going to uh, see you guys all on Sunday, and I'm going to go and uh, refresh my um, results here, my returns. I'm going to refresh them compulsively through the night and uh, not get any sleep and uh, and, and be an absolute wreck for the rest of the week. Uh, as I'm sure everybody else is too. So, uh, you know, everybody, uh, I guess like self-care is, is in order. Um, (laughs) I don't know what else to say. This this is not looking good, uh, except for this is not looking good. And, um, it does seem 
it does seem from the 30,000 foot level that there is possibly some funny business in North Carolina at the very least. Uh, there could be funny business in Pennsylvania. And, you know, funny business doesn't always happen uh, on the Republican side. Uh, sometimes there is funny business that, that comes from the Democratic side, only I, I, I don't know if we're competent enough to pull it off at this point, which is um, not cool. I mean, shoot, you know, if you're going to play dirty, you might as well, you know, if we're going to be good enough at it to, to win a race or two every now and then. Um, but, uh, you know, here's to lessons learned, eh? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I can say or what I can do to make any of this better. I'm sure that there's, there's not a goddamn thing. And, um, and, you know, we're just going to have to, we're just going to have to carry on, you know, keep the stiff, the stiff upper lip. So, uh, well, let's do that. Let's just carry on. And, uh, we'll see you again on Sunday. Don't forget on Thursday is, uh, Thursday at eight o'clock. Janine Maloff with the Environmental Justice Report every Thursday at 8 o'clock. So tune in for that or check out your podcaster. And I will see you guys again on Sunday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.